Thanks for listening to Summit PA Sermon Audio, weekly teaching from the Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. SummitPA.church, every life made different. So today we are <clears throat> beginning a series, uh, and we're going to be looking at John chapter 17 for the next few weeks. And in John chapter 17, uh, Jesus is finishing some time with his disciples. And in John 14, 15, 16, and 17, um, he is kind of giving his farewell discourse. This comes after he has had the Last Supper. Judas has left uh, to go bring the people back to, pray, to, to betray Jesus. And this is his kind of farewell discourse to uh, his disciples, to the people that know him and love him. And so he finishes this conversation about what's going to happen. And it's, it's still hard for them to kind of understand. So he walks through it with them a little bit. Um, and then he gets to chapter 17, and he offers this prayer up. And this prayer is called the high priestly prayer. And it's kind of the farewell prayer for, from Jesus for his disciples, for his followers. And it's not just for his disciples then, it's for his, his followers throughout history. It's for people who will believe in Christ. And what we see here in this, this high priestly prayer is that um, this is the longest prayer recorded in Scripture by Jesus. That, that he takes his time and he really, he really goes through some things with us. It's recorded here in, like I said, John chapter 17. But the key themes of this prayer are, are God's glory and the unity of the church. And it's funny to me that this is what Jesus prayed for the church 2,000 years ago. And today, these are things that we still desperately need. We need God's glory and we need there to be unity in the church. We need uh, believers to be united one with another. And so this is what Jesus prayed for us. And so this is what we're gonna walk through over the next couple weeks. So if you wanna get ahead, if you, if you are a suck up and you are, um, you know, you're the good student, then you can read ahead. But we're gonna walk through John chapter 17 over the course of the next few weeks together. Uh, we're gonna begin today, John chapter 17, verse one. <clears throat> Excuse me, and this is what it says. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. So let me start in verse one. We're gonna walk through this together. Verse one says, when Jesus spoke in these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you. Now the word glorify is, it's kind of a churchy word and we try to avoid churchy words around here. We try to make language a little more simple, but, but glorify is a word we talk about in church, but you really don't talk about it in normal life very often. You don't hear that word used in regular conversations. Uh, but what we see here, this word glorify, it, it comes from a Greek word, it's doxazo, and doxazo um, means what you would expect it to mean. Um, to praise or to magnify or to celebrate. These are all words that are kind of synonymous with glorify in church language. Um, but one of the things I really like about this is there's a definition that says to make renowned or to render illustrious. And it goes on to say to cause dignity and worth of some person or thing to become manifest and acknowledged. And so what it's really saying is to take something that was unrecognized as valuable 
and help people see the value. I, I love shows like, um, like um, oh, anybody ever see Antiques Roadshow? Okay, it's, it's all the old people. <laughs> like, hey, wait a second, I've watched the show too. So, <clears throat> but I like the show because you'll have somebody roll in there and they've got something and they're like, this has been passed down for generations of my family and we believe it's a Rembrandt and this is our, and they're like, nope, it's not a Rembrandt, it's Bob Smith and it's worth $35, not $35 million. And they're like, what? They're so disappointed. And then sometimes you've got the guy that's like, hey, I got this at a flea market, you know, for 12 cents and I don't know. And they're like, oh, this comes from the Ming Dynasty in China and it's, you know, second century and it's worth... $12 million and what? And you know, it's that moment where they had no idea what they had on their hands and then an expert says, uh, you don't understand how priceless this is, right? And this is the idea of, of glorify that we should have, that we are the experts. If we know Christ, if we're in a relationship with Christ, our job, our obligation, our, our opportunity is to show the world how priceless a treasure they have access to that they don't even know that they have access to. That we can say, do you have any idea what you've got on your hands? I want, I want you to know, I want you to be aware. I, I want to cause the dignity or worth of someone or something to become manifest or acknowledged. And I love this because what Jesus says in this prayer is, glorify your son, that the son may glorify you. And what he's saying is, uh, bring glory to me so that I can point that glory back to you. Let people see who I really am, manifest, manifest an acknowledgement of who I am so that we can acknowledge who you really are. Now, this is the problem. A lot of us, we are good at part of this, but we're bad at the second part. We are good at saying, God, help people realize how good I am. Have you ever had this moment? where you're in, at work and someone else gets the promotion and you think, well, they don't deserve it, I deserve it. Nobody appreciates me around this place. Now, I know that hasn't happened with you because we all love Jesus and we would never have that kind of attitude, but some people in other parts of the country would have that kind of attitude, right? It's not fair, they don't recognize. Maybe you played on a team and you're like, if the coach, the coach didn't hate me, maybe I'd go to the NFL. No, you wouldn't, I promise. <laughs> If you were good, the coach would play you because he wants to win more than he hates you, I promise, right? And we have this, this idea, if they just realized how good I am, if they just understood, if, if my worth could be manifested, then things would be better. But the problem is it's selfishly motivated. We just want to be noticed. We just want to, to be acknowledged because our egos are fragile or because we're insecure. And so we want people to say, oh, you're so pretty or you're so smart or you're so strong or we couldn't do this without you. Like those are the things that we go, that's right, you couldn't do it without me. And what happens is praise terminates with us. And what Jesus is saying is, hey God, help people to see who I am, that I'm the son of God so that I can point people back to you. And what we as believers need to understand is that Praise should never terminate with us. It should always terminate with God. But yeah, what happens is um, we, we want to get enough likes on social media and you know, it, it, that, what happens? That praise terminates with us. And what Jesus is saying is, no, 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 I'm redirecting your glory and praise. I'm making sure that what should end with you is ending with you. That it's not about me, it's about you, God. And so I guess my challenge to you is to, 
ask, why do you want your worth to be acknowledged or manifest? Is it for you or is it for God? And this isn't just for you, this is for me because I've got to check my own heart at times and go, ooh, okay. So when somebody comes and says, whoa, what a good message, Pastor Mel. I can go, that's right, it's a good message. I worked hard on that one, right? Or if I'm going to be, have a humble heart, a right heart, I'm going to go, you know what? God's good. Thank, thank God that he uses people like me. And we have to check our hearts constantly. We have to continually humble ourselves before God. Because if we don't, we'll be infested with pride. Um, this is what we have to understand. We are so focused on getting people to acknowledge our worth that getting people to acknowledge God's worth becomes an afterthought. Oh yeah, I forgot God gave me this talent. Oh yeah, I forgot God gave me this ability. Oh yeah, I forgot that the breath I have in my lungs is only because God is good. Oh yeah, that's right. It's him, not me. And when we understand that, it's so much easier to, to walk in a way that, that glory terminates with God and not with us. That, that the creator is receiving the praise and not the creation. And this is what God's called us to do. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, Jesus is talking, verse 14, and he says to his followers, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So what Jesus says is, um, go do good. Go live a godly life. Go serve others. Go bless people. Go live radically generous lives with people. Um, give more mercy than you want to. Give more grace than you're comfortable. And when you do these kind of things, God's going to get the glory from it. People are going to see what's going on, and they're going to recognize your motivation in your heart, and God will be glorified. Um, the literal translation of the word glory is light. And so what we see here is this, this idea that we literally carry God's glory into a dark world. We carry God's glory into a world that desperately needs light. And we get to be that. We get to reveal that. We get to show that to the world around us. Jesus said, hey, go do good things. And when you do good things for God's glory, he will get the glory. People will see that and they're going to they're gonna praise God. Um, I, I've heard, heard people say, well, I don't want to do anything because it's not about me. Well, I don't want to share my testimony because it's not about me. And I get that. But at the same time, if our hearts are right before the Lord and people see what God's doing or what God has done through us, then they're not going to go, wow, what a great guy. They're going to go, man, what a great God. So humility sometimes will keep us from showing and revealing what really God is doing in our lives. And will keep us from being a light at times. And I would challenge you, if your heart is right before the Lord, he can use what you're doing, and it's not about your pride. Um, there's a passage of 2 Corinthians I want to share with you. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12. And it says this, <clears throat> Paul's talking to the Corinthian church, and he says, Since we have such a hope, we are very bold, not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. So let me stop right here. He, he's re referring to Moses um, in Exodus chapter 34. 
Moses had gone up on the mountain, Mount Sinai, to receive the Ten Commandments, and uh, he had, before, before Exodus 34, he'd gone up to receive the Ten Commandments, and he received the Ten Commandments. And there was lightning and thunder and storms and all kinds of stuff on the mountain, and the people were afraid, and they sent Moses up. They said, we don't want to go anywhere near that God. He's scary. And so Moses went up on the mountain, and he received the Ten Commandments. When he came off the mountain to where the people were, they had set up a false god. They set up a, a golden calf to worship because they thought, Moses is dead. Uh, who knows what's going to happen? We want a god that we can see and touch. And so they made a golden calf. And when he, he came off the mountain and he just spent time with God and he sees this golden calf, uh, he gets ticked. That's the Greek word there, ticked, for, for what's going on. It's not. I'm just kidding. Uh, and so he gets mad and the Ten Commandments that he had in his hands, he breaks he literally throws them down and they, they shatter. Can you imagine God just gave them to him and he throws them down? And so uh, we see him go back up the mountain and I can, ima- I, can Im- I can imagine him going to God like, hey God, uh, you know the Ten Commandments you gave me? They, they broke. <laughs> how'd, they, how'd, they, how'd they break? Uh, I've dropped them. Okay, fine, I threw them down at the children of Israel, right? Like, he's like, is there any way I can get another set of Ten Commandments, God? Uh, That'd be really helpful. And so he has this conversation with God. And when he goes back up on Mount Sinai to have this conversation, the Scripture tells us that he spent 40 days and nights in the presence of God. There's no uh, indication that he ate. So the, the implication is that the glory of God sustained him supernaturally for 40 days and 40 nights. And when he comes off the mountain this time, um, because he was in the manifest presence of God and the glory of God, uh, he, his face is shining. Remember, glory and light are synonymous. And so he, he's shining, radiating the glory of God, and the people are scared, and they go, no, 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 this is weird. Put a veil on. And so he puts this veil on to, to limit the glory of God that they see, to veil it, to to make it a little more palatable for the people. And so this is what Paul is referring to in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. So he goes on to say in verse 14, but their minds were hardened. For to this day, when they read the old covenant, that same veil remains unlifted because only through Christ is it taken away. So he's saying the glory of God is veiled to people who don't believe. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of God, are being transformed into the same image from one degree to another, uh, from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is spirit. Now listen, what it's saying is this. We as believers, there is no veil anymore. Uh, they don't do it as much as they used to. But you remember when people used to get married and they would, the, the bride would have the veil and at the end they would say, you, I pronounce you husband and wife, you may kiss the bride and the groom would raise the veil. And there was this moment where there was no separation between bride and groom any longer, that all was revealed, if I could say it that way. And, and in the same way, as children of God, uh, God's glory has been revealed to us. The veil has been lifted. There is no separation between God and his people. There's no separation between God's glory and his people. So we can have access to the glory of God. Now, this is the great part. What it says here is that um, we're being transformed into the same image. We're being transformed into the image of God 
from one degree of glory to another, from glory to glory, for this comes from the Lord who is spirit. Now, what it's saying is this, as I come into more contact with the glory of God, as I immerse myself in the presence of God and in the glory of God, my heart begins to be shifted and I am sanctified. And this is a fancy word basically saying God shapes me more into his image when I'm in his glory, when I experience his glory. And he he moves me from glory to glory, from one position to the next. I begin to grow in my faith. I begin to understand who he is, and my heart is transformed as I'm in his glory. Now, this is a concept that we struggle with. I had somebody last night that said, Mel, I struggle because I'll have a good day and a bad day. And I said, that is our walk with Christ. It's not linear. It's good days and bad days. And there's days I get it, and there's days I blow it. And then there's everything in between. And the point is that we're moving in the right direction, that I'm experiencing more of his presence, that I am in his glory so that he can change my heart and change my life. And what we see here in this first verse is, Father, glorify your son that the son may glorify you. And the same would be true for us. God, glorify us. Let your glory shine through us so that we can point people back to you. Verse two says, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life, to all whom you have given him. Aren't you thankful that God gives us eternal life through Christ Jesus? Three R, that's awesome. The altar call is gonna be fantastic today, I can't wait. Verse three says, and this is eternal life. Again, eternal life is something we talk about, but we think of it as purely heaven. But Jesus says, this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God. And Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Now, when you look at this word know, because Jesus says this is eternal life. He boils it down. That they know you, that people know God, the one true God, and Jesus Christ, that we know God and we know Jesus. Now, the word know here, uh, in the Greek, it's genosko. And genosko means Typically what you might think it would mean to learn, to know, to come to know, to get a knowledge of, to perceive something and learn. Um, but it's also a Jewish idiom that's used for sexual intercourse. <laughs> All of a sudden, some of you just started paying attention. You're like, what was that? I'd just been asleep the whole time until right then. Now, this is the thing. If you've been around church, um, you might have heard somebody say something like, um, oh, they, they knew each other biblically. And what they're talking about is this, this idea that to know someone it means physical intimacy. Um, and when we talk about intimacy, it gets weird in the world we live in. Because when we talk about intimacy, so many times people automatically default to sex. When, when you say, I had an intimate moment, you think sex. And what we need to do is divorce ourselves of this idea that intimacy and sex are synonymous. Um, this is what has messed up the world in which we live in so many ways, is that we think that intimacy is sex. That's what it is. But this isn't the case, because when we look at this word um, and the way the Hebrews applied it, what they're talking about is to know intimately. And their understanding of this word is that the person you would know most intimately is your spouse. And the way you would know them intimately is not through physical interaction, but you would know them intimately through emotional and relational and spiritual interaction. And this would ultimately culminate in physical 
intimacy. Does that make sense to anybody? But what the world has told us is if you want to be intimate with someone, you got to have sex. If you want to be intimate with somebody, you got to send nudes. If you want to be intimate with somebody, see, this is getting, going places you didn't think we'd go today, didn't it? And so what's happened is um, we have taken this idea of intimacy and we have thrown it out the window because what we see here, and when we say things about knowing God in this context, it feels weird. But what, but what Jesus said he meant, hey, um, this is eternal life, that they know you intimately. And what he's really talking about is, is people who will say, God, I want to know everything about you. Uh, my wife um, she knows everything about me, the good, the bad, and the horrifically ugly. She knows it all. Um, and, and the reason is, is because she has put up with me for almost 20 years. We, well, we've been, we've been dating for 20 years um, this week, on the 21st. Um, so 20 years ago, the 21st, my wife and I started dating. So she knows me well. We've been friends for longer than that. She knows what I'm good at, what I'm bad at. She knows what I'm likely to do or not do. Um, and, and can I tell you, she knows my secrets. And they're not nearly as juicy as you might think they are, I promise. But still, she knows the things about me that none of you know and none of you will probably ever know. Why? Because we share intimacy together. It's not that we share sex together. That's not the point. Um, she knows me intimately, closely. See, what hap has happened in our world is, and this is not an IUP issue, by the way. This is a human issue. What happens is we think, I desire intimacy, and so I'm going to have sex with somebody, and I might not know them very well, but this will be a way for us to be closer and for us to be more intimate. And what happens is we give ourselves physically to someone, and, and then we don't understand why the longing in our soul has not abated. We don't understand why there's still deep hurt within us. We don't understand why there's still deep loneliness within us. It's because we have thought that intimacy meant physical, but it doesn't. And what the, what the Jewish people understood is that physical intimacy is the result of emotional and spiritual intimacy. So what we've done is we've flipped everything upside down. And so we don't understand why there are, are men and women at IUP and men and women um, that are adults, 30s and 40s, that are still looking for intimacy through physical interactions when they'll never find it through physical interactions. Right. What you're going to find is a, a chemical release, yeah. and that'll be great for just a little bit. And then that ache will return to your soul. Yeah. What you long for is true intimacy, where you can know and be known by someone, right. where someone can know everything about you and love you anyway. And I'm telling you, that is hard to find. And this is why Jesus said, um, hey, my desire, this is eternal life, that they know God and that they know Jesus Christ. I said earlier that my wife knows all my secrets. Did you know God wants us to know him so well that, that we know his secrets? Jeremiah 33, 3. God says to his people, call to me and I will answer you and will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. God says, I, I want you to know my secrets. But, but we can only 
tell secrets if we're intimate, if we're close. Do you know what you do when you tell somebody a secret? When you go, I shouldn't, I shouldn't be telling you this. But did you know what happens? Your voice lowers, and what do you do? You lean in, don't you? You close the distance. There's proximity in that moment, physical proximity in that moment. There's got to be intimacy there to share your deepest secrets with someone. You have to trust someone. And what, what God is saying is, hey, I'm going to trust you with the hidden things. I want you to know me, and I want to know you is what God is saying. This is what you have to know. The purpose of Christianity is not eternal life. The purpose of Christianity is intimacy with God, and the result is eternal life. See, what's happened for so many of us is we set up the wrong goal. We go, if I can just make it to heaven, my life will be great. It'll be good. And if I can make it to heaven by the skin of my teeth, if I can just slide in, that'd be awesome. But you're missing the point. The, the point isn't heaven. The point is we have an opportunity to know, to know intimately the God of the universe. And the end result of that, the byproduct of that is we get to go to heaven, which is great. What a great byproduct, right? But we overlook the fact that we can know God. We can intimately know God, the God of the universe in the here and now. And that's what God is inviting us into. That's what he desires for us. And Jesus says this, this is eternal life, that you know God and know me. That's what he's saying. See, eternal life is not about, simply about heaven. Real life begins with knowing God intimately, having a relationship with him. That's his desire for us. Verse four says this, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. I love this passage. Um, the word accomplished here, uh, the, the Greek word for it means to make perfect or complete. What we see is it's the same word that Paul uses. You might have heard me talk about this. When Paul talks about uh, being perfected, he's talking about being matured, being complete. And this is the same word that's used here. Paul uses it in the, his epistles, his letters, uh, often. And so what we see here is this idea that Jesus says, hey, I've completed the work that you asked me to do. Uh, the work that you called me to do, God, has been matured. It's, it's finished. And I love this because he says, this is how I glorified you. I glorified you by doing what you asked me to do, by accomplishing the work that you gave me to do. The Passion Translation says it this way, I've glorified you on earth by faithfully doing everything you've told me to do. See, I think if I took a poll and I said, how many of you want to glorify God? Even the people that really don't want to would say they did just because the pastor was asking and that's the right answer, right? Like the, so we'd probably have 100% people like, yeah, I want to glorify God. And this is what, we, this is what I've seen. Um, we are good at knowing what God has told us to do. We are good at starting what God has told us to do. But what the world needs is people who will complete what God has told us to do. Um, you know, in broad terms, what has God told us to do? Well, Matthew 28 is a great commission. Jesus said, go therefore make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So what does he say? Go and make disciples. Share the gospel. Advance my kingdom. So we hear things like that, and you hear a message, and we talk about uh, celebrating lives made different 
across the street and around the world, no matter where it's at and on the globe. And so you hear that and you go, okay, you know what? I'm going to do it. You, you hear a message like this in a service like this. Okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bake some brownies and I'm going to go to my neighbor and I'm going to invite them to Easter services. Today's the day. I'm going to do it. And you get home and you bake your brownies, you publish yourself up and you're like, whoa, these brownies, these are Holy Spirit brownies, right? Like, Woo, they're going to change the world. I can't wait. And you bake your brownies and you walk across the street and you're walking with purpose and you get there, bing, bong, and the door opens and you're like, brownies are for you and family. Brownies you like? Uh, you want some? You're like, okay. You're like, you wouldn't want to uh, eat some brownies, would you? And you're like, ugh, stupid. I've eaten you trying, to, right? And you, you chicken out. Well, they're, they're going to think I'm an idiot if I invite them to church. They're going to think I'm an idiot if I tell them my story about what God's done in my life, and I can't do it. You, you pump yourself up. I'm going to go to work tomorrow. Tomorrow I'm going I'm to tell my coworker my story. They need to hear it, and I know God's told me to. What happens? We chicken out. Well, i got to work for this guy, and what if, he, what if he laughs at me? What if he makes fun of me? What if, what if, what if? And what happens is we are good at knowing what God has told us to do, but we are bad at completing it. We are bad at carrying it out and executing what he's told us to do. And I'm telling you today, um, God has called us, every single one of us, even though you might not be up here preaching, he has called you just as much as he's called me. You have a calling on your life. You have a purpose and a plan for your life. And what God is longing for you to do is to complete what he's told you to do. No matter how big or how small it might be. Because when you do that, he's glorified. So what God told you to do? He's told you to go into all the world and make disciples, teaching them to obey all that he's commanded us. In Ephesians 2.10, it says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that he has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God created us to do good works, and he created the good works beforehand, before we were born. He had a purpose and a plan for you that only you could fulfill, and he's set out for you to do that and for you to bring that to pass, for you to manifest his glory on planet Earth. The, the word works there, it's the Greek word ergon, and it literally means your business or your employment or your occupation. And what what Paul is telling the church at Ephesus is our job, literally, our job is to do good and do the good that God has called us to do. That should be what occupies us, is doing what God has called us to do. See, we should be occupied with God's purposes on earth and manifest his goodness and glory everywhere we go. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9 from the Passion Translation says this, be your God's chosen treasure, priests who are kings, a spiritual nation set apart as God's devoted ones. He called you out of darkness to experience his marvelous light. Now he claims you as his very own. He did this so that you would broadcast his glorious wonders throughout the world. Why did he rescue us out of darkness and bring us into marvelous light? So that we would broadcast his glorious wonders throughout the world. When I think of broadcast, I think of television station with a big antenna that is sending its signal out. This is what God calls us to do. He rescued us from darkness into marvelous light so that we could broadcast 
his goodness to the world so that we could let people know how good our Father is. The last verse, verse five, says this. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. And it's the same word we saw earlier, doxazo. And what he's saying again is, um, God, manifest your value and your worth and your dignity in me in the same way that it was when I was in heaven. We see at the beginning of John, John 1, we've talked about this, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and it's talking about Christ. He is the Word, the, the, the Logos. He is the, the manifestation of God. Um, and so what we see here is this understanding that Christ was with God in heaven before the beginning of time. And he says, God, the glory that I had when I was in heaven, I want that glory here on earth. I want to experience that glory. Restore me to where I was before. I'm, I'm weary for this world. If I can take some liberty with it, I'll say it that way. Um, Jesus taught his disciples to pray. And they said, hey, we want, to, we want to learn how to pray like John told his disciples. And so he said, okay, pray in this way. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so the beginning of this is awesome, though, because he says, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What he's saying is, let your kingdom, and he's not talking about buildings. He, he's talking about the, the glory of God. He's saying, let your kingdom come to planet earth. Let your kingdom, let heaven be manifest on planet earth. And what Jesus is saying is, um, Hey, let the glory that's resident in heaven, let it be manifest in me. Let heaven come. And this is what I would tell you today. The glory that, that, that Jesus experienced, we have access to that glory. And so when Jesus says, let, let heaven come through me, what we have to understand is heaven wants to manifest itself through you. I, I hope you understand how weighty that is. Heaven wants to come to planet Earth through you. When you walk into your workplace tomorrow morning, heaven wants you to invade that space with the glory of God. That when you walk into a room, the, the atmosphere changes because the glory of God rests on you and flows through you. The, the, the presence of heaven, if I can say it that way. The attitudes in your home should shift because the glory of God is manifest in you as a believer of Jesus Christ. That, that heaven comes to earth because we, his children, will manifest heaven as we press into him, as we know him, as we learn him in his ways. Um, what we're talking about today is the glory of God. And what Jesus said is, hey, um, God, glorify me so that I can glorify you. Let your glory shine through me so that I can point people back to you. So, so maybe you're here today and you've never really done that. Maybe you've been happy just saying a prayer and I'm gonna slide into heaven. But I'm telling you today, God's got so much more for you than that. Maybe you're here today and you don't really know God. You don't know him intimately. Maybe, maybe you had an encounter one time, maybe you've been to church a few times, but at the end of the day, you go, I don't really know God intimately like he wants to know me. And today's my day, I, I wanna know him. I just 
want to let you know you, you're going to have that opportunity in just a moment. So I, I want you to leave here, no matter who you are, no matter where you're at in your walk with Christ, to walk out of here knowing that God has charged you with being a, a vessel of his glory, a conduit of his glory to the world. Let's pray together. God, we love you and we're grateful that we can know you today, that we can be in relationship with you today. That God, you don't want to just know us, you want to know us intimately. And you don't want us just to know you, you want us to know you intimately. So God, I pray today we would not be satisfied just attending church, going through the motions, praying the right prayers, saying the right things. But God, I pray that you give us a deep longing in our souls to know you personally and intimately like never before. God, I pray that we would not be satisfied just going through the religious motions, but God, let us know you and know you well. God, I pray that, that we would be vessels of your glory, that people would not see us, but they would see you. That, Lord, heaven would invade earth through your people and through your children. So, God, I pray that you would have your way with us over these next few moments. Now, with your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you're here today and you say to me, Mel, you know what? I'm not in relationship with Christ. I don't know God, but I know I want to. It's a very simple process. Um, and we want to help you know God if you want to today. So if you're here today and you say, you know what? I want to make that decision. I want to make Jesus Lord of my life. I want to, I want to know God. See, Jesus is the one who bridges the gap between God and us. So if you're here today and you say, that's me, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to make you come forward. I just want to pray with you where you are. If that's you today, you say, I want to know God. Would you slip your hand up real high where I can see it and you can put it right back down? Yeah, thank you over here on my right. Who else? Yeah, I see you on my right. Thank you. Praise God. Yeah, over here on my left. Thank you. Who else would join these and say, pray for me, Mel, today's my day. Yeah, I see you. Awesome, awesome. Thank you, ma'am, in the back. Anyone else? I want every person in this place, whether you raised your hand or not, to pray this really simple prayer with me. Say this out loud. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for loving me and thank you for saving me by paying the price for my sins on the cross. From this day forward, my life is yours. Use it for your glory. Thank you that I can know you and that you know me and that you love me. From now on, my life is yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it today, Scripture tells us that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised Christ from the dead, you will be saved. It's that simple. Um, but we want to help you begin to grow and, and pursue God and connect with Him. Uh, just like we talked about being transformed glory to glory, we want to help you grow in your faith and become who God wants you to be. So if you would, take just a moment and fill the card out that's in the seat back in front of you. On one side of the card, it says need prayer. On the other side, it says salvation. Fill out the side of the card that says salvation and then drop it at our info center. Stop by there and give it to them. They're going to give you a free Bible and they're going to help you begin to take that step and grow in your faith. If you're watching online and you'd like to respond, simply text the word salvation to the number 555-888. And when you do that, we're going to respond back to you and help you take the next step in your 
your faith journey. If you're here in Indiana, we'll help connect you here. If you're somewhere around the, the United States or even the world, we'll help you find a God-fearing, life-giving church in your area that you can connect with. So thank you so much for worshiping with us today. Here's what's gonna happen right now. The worship team will lead us in one last song. We're gonna worship God together. While we're doing that, our prayer team is gonna come up and they'll be on either side of the stage. If you need prayer for any reason at all today, no matter what it may be, find one of them as we're singing, let them pray with you. And then in just a moment, when we're done singing, uh, Pastor, Pastor Christina Butterworth, our kids pastor, she's gonna come and she'll close us out and dismiss us. So why don't you stand your feet all over the room? Let's worship together one more time before we go today. Guys, I hope you know this. I tell you often, I love you more than you know. And I'm so glad that I get to be your pastor. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful day.